If you would, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 21. And also, you might want to put your finger there or put a piece of paper there and then also come to uh, the end of Mark chapter 12. I'm going to read a couple of uh, scriptures on the same event. But before you get there, again, Luke 21 and Mark chapter 12. When growing up, uh, I was a huge, huge uh, Detroit Lions football fan. Now, maybe I lost some of uh, my uh, football uh, fans here from this morning, but hopefully uh, you'll get what I'm trying to get after. But uh, we had, unarguably, the greatest running back of all time, Barry Sanders, uh, when I was a kid growing up. And if you knew anything about number 20, if, it, if he was about to get tackled, uh, he would get out of there. He was so elusive. Uh, he might seem like he was going to get a five-yard loss, and then all of a sudden he'd break free for you know a 20- or 30-yard run. And he was just the most exciting player to watch and to root for. But, of course, if you know that story, if you know the history uh, behind him and his career, uh, he retired way too early. But it was often very comical when you would watch him play, maybe on Thanksgiving Day, and John Madden would be calling his football games. You remember John Madden, a great personality in sports and in football, and he loved to use that teleprompter. And so if there was a play that, was, that he wanted to break down, you know, he would uh, go in slow motion and uh, replay that run. And he'd sort of draw the lines on there where Barry was going from one spot to another to another. And he'd pretty much cover the whole screen in yellow. And it was, again, it was very comical to, to watch that. But he was analyzing Barry's run, you know, from one spot to another to another. And it was just all of this yellow everywhere. Well, what I want to propose to you this afternoon again, going on this theme of giving, is that when we give, the Lord analyzes our motives. He analyzes our actions. Again, in Luke chapter 21, we get the story of the widow and her two mites. I'm going to read Mark's account here first, and then we'll look at Luke's, and we'll use Luke's for most of this afternoon. Again, these are very short, but in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41, notice what is written. And he, being Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounted to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned, all she had to live on. And notice what Luke has to say in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For they all out of their surplus put into the offering, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. So during this event, we are here in the Passion Week of Jesus' life. Again, the Passion Week is that last week of his life. You know, he's going to be going to the cross here uh, pretty soon. And Jesus and his uh, disciples are making what we believe is his last appearance in the temple. He, this is the last appearance he's going to make in the temple. And, and it's, it's uh, interesting because if we go back into Luke chapter 20, to the last few verses... Uh, he's, uh, he's talking to the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees in these accounts. 
And notice in verse 46 and 47 of Luke chapter 20, when he's uh, rebuting the, uh, the scribes, it says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets, who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. You know, he's condemning the scribes here. And in particular, he says they devoured widows' houses. Well, what does that mean? It means that they took advantage of the most defenseless and, you know, the poor of the day. And so it's just interesting that he goes from that statement into chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, of him observing the giving of this widow. Now, they're in the temple complex. Uh, This is also referred to as the court of women, but only the Jews could be in this area. Uh, Men and women were here. But also what's in the court uh, uh, of women was the treasury. The treasury was located in this section of the temple. And they had these, as I mentioned this morning, these 13 uh, introverted or upside down trumpets you might want to think of. You know, not trumpets, but it's just sort of shaped like a trumpet. Uh, The chest or or the, the place where they would drop in their contribution. And so when, when somebody was giving to the temple treasury, you knew that they were giving because of the large clanks that you would hear as the money being dropped into those, uh, into those treasuries. You know, it's sort of like uh, you go to a wishing well, you know, you, especially when you have young children, you give them some coins to throw in the wishing well. Uh, do you gently place the money into the wishing well or do you like to you know, throw it into the wishing well you know, and make that loud splash? Well, that, that, of course, again, is what the Pharisees uh, loved to do. They loved to hear that noise. They loved people drawing their attention towards them as they gave. But notice what Jesus and his disciples observed. Many rich people putting in large sums, but again, a poor widow who gave two small copper coins. Uh, the, the King James or New King James refers to these as two mites, two mites. And this was the smallest coinage in circulation at that time. Were, were mites. And Mark account actually told us that those two small mites equaled a cent. Not, not, not our U.S. equivalently to equivalency of a cent, but uh, again, a cent, which was the Roman equivalence of the smallest coin in circulation. And so you can see that she took two of the, two of the smallest uh, coins that were around and they made the equivalency of one cent which was one sixty-fourth of a denarius. Again, a denarius was a day's wage. You know, you work in the field, you come back, and, the, and your employer gave you a coin, a denarius, and that was worth one day's worth of wage. Well, this uh, money that she gave was one sixty-fourth one, of a denarius. To put it in today's um, mon- monetary value, let's say you, you earn $15 an hour. And you go work for eight hours, and you, your gross take-home pay is $120, right? You get $120 for that day's worth of wages. Well, she had one sixty-fourth of that, which is about $1.88, right? So to put that in our modern equivalency, she, all she had to live on was $1.88. And we also observe this as Jesus is watching this, is that he didn't compliment the poor widow, nor did he condemn her. Uh, he didn't tell the others to go and do likewise, uh, but he's, what he's going to do is he's going to teach them the true meaning of giving, and it's not necessarily how much we give, but how much is left behind. See, God knows what we have. He knows uh, we have budgets, 
and he knows that we have bills to pay, and he doesn't ask for every cent of our paycheck. But he does ask for the first fruits of our labor, and he does ask that we be good stewards of that which he blesses us with. And as I mentioned this morning, it is much easier for us to give away something that is not ours uh, than, uh, than if we believe it is ours, right? And so when we understand that everything is God's, it's much easier to give back to God. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so I just want us to uh, notice, again, the, just these three quick points here this afternoon about this account here, the Lord analyzing the widow's gift. And the first one we want to notice is that the Lord observes our giving. Again, Luke uses these action words. He says that Jesus looked and saw and that he saw. Mark said that he was observing the widow's contribution. That word observing, it denotes a, a sustained, careful examination. He, he just didn't simply glance over and saw what she was giving, but he was watching. He was paying attention. I've mentioned this before, but back in Michigan, uh, when I was uh, worshiping in Grand Rapids, I was a deacon, and my, uh, the, the, my area of duty was the treasurer for the congregation. And, and a lot of what uh, I did was, um, you know, take care of the financial situation of the congregation, you know, the, the deposits, taking it to the bank. And because of that, you know, I sort of had an uh, uh, a, uh, idea of, you know, how people gave, you know, because of the checks they wrote and that type of thing. Well, here's the difference, though. I didn't know what was going on in their hearts. He does. He knows how we budget our funds. He knows if he comes first in our lives. He knows if he's getting, again, the first fruits of our income or, or if he's getting the leftovers. Well, you know, many might think, well, you know, God doesn't necessarily care about how much I give. But again, remember what we studied this morning in Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. You know, remember the, those priests who were bringing the lime and the, blame, the, the, the blind and the lame. And God was observing the priests and how they were giving to God basically the leftovers. Well, again, ultimately, it comes down to the question of do we love money because of the love of money? You know, we could look at many different places in Scripture. We could think about Lot, who chose the green pastures of the Jordan River. Uh, to, but then, remember, that put him near Sodom and Gomorrah. But he chose that because of its green lushness, because of his opportunity to, to grow and advance there. We could think of Achan, who stole spoils from Jericho. Right, because of his greed, uh, that he wanted those things. We could think of Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, who, who gave uh, back to the church. But remember, they held a portion back for themselves because of those greed, uh, the greed. And of course, God struck both of them dead. But we need to remind ourselves that we should question ourselves. Do I control the money I possess or does it control me? Again, Matthew chapter 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Money can control our attitudes and our disposition, our outlook on life. It's one of the most powerful things in the world. And that's why Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 10, the love of money is the root of all sorts kinds of evil. And again, when we understand that the Lord observes our giving, we understand that he's watching, he's analyzing Everything that we do, including our giving, and that we cannot hide anything from him, I think that's a powerful point for us to understand that the, the Lord observes our giving and, and that we're not doing those things in secret. Secondly, verse 3, the Lord evaluates our giving. 
He evaluates it. What makes for a gift to be valuable in God's sight? Well, there's the motive. There's the attitude. There's the financial condition that needs to be taken into consideration as well. But should the grace of giving be neglected because of poverty? Well, that's where this example of the widow comes in. You know, her example should inspire each and every one of us to give more to God. Again, it's not the portion, but it was the proportion of our giving about which he is concerned. And again, that applies to our money, our time, our energy, all of those things. It's the quality that God wants, not the quantity. And I don't know about you, when I read of this poor widow here in Luke chapter 21, but I feel a little ashamed of what I give to the Lord when it compares to what she did. See, the rich gave out of their abundance and they would hardly miss what they had. It's not going to alter their standard of living. You know, they're not going to miss a meal uh, because of what they gave. But think of this widow and the things that she had to go with. And we don't see any excuses that she makes either. You know, she could have said, I don't have a lot to give. Uh, The temple's not going to miss these two mites uh, if I don't give them to them. Uh, She didn't say, you know, those who were in charge were corrupt and they don't deserve my support. I don't know where this money is going to go. Or if I give what I have, you know, what will happen to me? You know, that would probably be the biggest question I would have. If I gave all that I have, you know, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? She didn't ask these questions. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. There's a story here of Mary and Martha again. Uh, We've covered her in our Bible class a little bit the past couple of days. But in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, uh, Jesus is invited to another uh, meal with the two sisters. And at this time, Mary, uh, of course, she has many reasons to be thankful to Jesus. Uh, all the lessons that he has taught her, uh, bringing her brother back to the de- from the dead. Uh, notice here, uh, starting in verse 1 of John chapter 12, it says, Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. See, this wasn't a common gift that Mary was giving to Jesus. Uh, this, didn't, this wasn't something that cost her very little. It was a precious gift, a costly gift, very expensive, matter of fact. Look at verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. That was some pretty costly perfume, right? 300 denarii. This is almost a year's worth of wages. And don't you think Jesus knew that? Don't you think Jesus understood that? You know, what Judas said was pretty much true, that that, that was a pretty expensive gift and that money could have been uh, used to help feed the poor. But Jesus says there, this is a gift from Mary's heart and she wants to give it to me. Verse 7, therefore, Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. It was welcomed by Jesus because this was an act of love, an act of kindness. And what could be more noble than to uh, anoint the feet of her Savior? 
And again, the Lord was evaluating her giving. He was looking at what she was doing in her heart, and he evaluated it, and he knew it was a good thing. And again, God evaluates our giving as well. Again, not the portion he's concerned with, but the proportion. And are we making sacrifices when we give? Can we feel it? You know, selling or using up that perfume that could have been sold for 300 denarii, almost a year's worth of wages. I mean, think about how much that would have been. And she used it to anoint the feet of Jesus. And again, think of the widow. She put in all that she had to live on. And again, do we feel it when we give? Do we sacrifice as much as she did? Again, the Lord observes our giving. He also evaluates our giving. And then finally, he responds to our giving. The widow is one of the few individuals in Scripture who gets complimented by the Lord. And the Lord responds to our giving as well. Right? He, he's either going to be pleased with it or displeased with it. You know, he either accepts our gifts or he rejects them. And not all gifts are acceptable uh, to God that are made to him. And we can think uh, directly to back to Genesis chapter 4 and think of Cain and Abel. Cain, the oldest, was a tiller of the ground. Abel, the next son, was a keeper of flocks. And remember, they both bring an offering to God in Genesis chapter 4. And Cain brings the fruit of the ground and Abel, the firstlings of his flock, And remember, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But then the Bible says he had no regard for Cain and his offering. Cain, of course, goes and because of jealousy, kills his brother. Uh, But we have to go to the New Testament to really get the full understanding of what's going on here. In Hebrews chapter 11, this uh, great chapter about the faith of these people from the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 The Hebrews writer records that by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. See, Abel acted by faith, Cain by his own reason. If it's good enough for me, Cain thought, it's good enough for God. And we can think like Cain sometimes. Maybe we don't give prayerful consideration to what we're giving. Maybe we feel like it's an obligation, uh, what we're doing. But we see here in Genesis chapter 4, the Lord responded to these brothers' gifts. Again, God saw Cain's gift. He evaluated it, and he did not respect it. God responds to our giving. We've already established, again, through this account that the Lord observes and evaluates our giving. But ask this question Uh, here this afternoon if the lord was sitting right next to you in the pew do you think you would sing a little louder do you think maybe you would pay a little bit more attention to him to uh, the the sermon the lesson going on do you think you would put more in the plate if he was next to you see again most of us we give a contribution to the lord but the widow she didn't give merely a contribution She gave a sacrifice. She gave a sacrifice. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Remember that you and I are just stewards of everything that he has given us. And it's easy to give away what isn't yours, but it's much more difficult when you view it as your hard-earned money or uh, yours to keep. 
It's like the wise old professor who had the proper attitude of giving about his truck. You know, he would frequently lend out his truck to those who needed it, those who were in need. And he said, sure, you can use it. It's God's truck. Just remember, though, God doesn't like dents and scratches. We understand that God observes our giving, he evaluates our giving, and he responds to our giving. And then when we understand that, we're more inclined to be the giver as God would want us to be. But this afternoon, in all honesty, God would much rather have your hearts than your money. You could give millions to his cause, but that wouldn't mean a thing if your heart is not in the right place. Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. This afternoon, you know, God wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we're reminded that Jesus gave all. He gave his life, and he did so gladly so that we may have the opportunity to live with him in heaven one day. And God gave the greatest gift of all, his son. And so as we offer the invitation this afternoon, again, we can learn so much from this story from the widow here in these four verses in Luke chapter 21 about a a woman uh, who gave all that she had to live on and that the Lord observed her giving. He evaluated her giving. He also responded to her giving. And and that's a great uh, reminder for us as well when we go to give back to the Lord as well, to remember that he is watching, that he is observing, and he is analyzing these things. He knows what's on our hearts. And as we learned this morning, uh, God loves a cheerful giver. And so uh, whatever we can do to uh, put ourselves into that category of being cheerful givers, we need to strive to do that. This afternoon, as we offer the invitation, uh, if anyone needs to respond to it, again, we would love the opportunity to help you put Christ on in baptism or pray for you. Uh, Whatever your need, uh, please let it be known now as together we stand and sing.